Welcome back into the Dudes Being Dudes podcast. I'm your host, Evan Budrovich. So let's talk about the battery in baseball. we got pitchers, of course, and now we're going to talk about catchers. And for this podcast, we got a couple of catchers together. Marcus Scundrich and Ty Babin. These are two of the goofiest guys on the baseball team here at Campbell. And I think you're going to enjoy our discussion for a couple of reasons. One, we talk about framing pitches and quote-unquote stealing strikes. Secondly, we talk about the nuances of the game behind the plate and how important it is to be a catcher, not only at Campbell, but anywhere in college baseball. So sit back and enjoy our latest edition of Dudes Being Dudes. Okay, so we decided to bring in two catchers today because we wanted to get educated on stuff behind the plate. We have Ty Babin and Marcus Scundridge, known as Scundy. First and foremost, guys, and I'll start with each of you. One, why did you guys decide to come to Campbell? Scundy, you were a JUCO transfer, so a little different than you as a freshman, Ty. And two, what's your favorite spot on campus? It could be Jim Perry Stadium as well. So, Ty, we'll start with you. Ooh, why did I choose to come to Campbell? Um, I was a going into my junior year of high school when I committed here. Um, I recently moved from Jersey, um, and then I came here for a weekend tournament and had absolutely no Notice idea. Notice the tournament you got <laughs> dropped in there from the, <laughs> the Jersey accent. accent. Yeah. yeah, Had absolutely no idea, like never heard of the school. Um, kind of liked the field. It was a little small uh, field campus. Um, had no clue, nothing known about the school. Um, played pretty well, and my coach reached out to me about the coaches being interested and ended up coming back on a visit and being able to meet the coaching staff and um, <clears throat> go on a tour of the campus and all that and ended up being a, a perfect fit for me just being 20 minutes down the road as well. So it was awesome. Yes, Gundy, what brought you here to Campbell? Um, I had a tournament – or not tournament, a showcase my sophomore year in junior college and – performed well i had jake wells reach out to me later after that game say hey uh we kind of like i liked what i saw would you be interested in kind of taking a visit out to campbell so i flew out with my dad about a week later uh, came out to the campus talked to met coach Hare, met uh shoemaker a little bit um and kind of just got to meet the team and i was i definitely kind of fell in love with the campus right away uh, small town feel kind of like babin said i kind of like how uh, it felt just right off the bat. And I'm curious too, Scundy, because obviously being from the West Coast mm-hmm. in Arizona, it, it's so much different mm-hmm. than North Carolina. One, what calmed your nerves about flying across the country and seeing something you had literally no idea? And then two, what made you fall in love with it here? Uh, so I, w- I wasn't too worried about uh, coming across the country. I, my freshman year out of uh, high school, I went to Western Oregon. Uh, so I spent some time away uh, from there, and I didn't necessarily do too well there. So I came home, and I spent two years in community college in Arizona. So I kind of got to get my feet wet when I was in Oregon with like kind of getting outside of home. So I was ready for that. Uh, and then coming here, I don't know. I think uh, the scenery here is beautiful. I love the trees. I love the air out here. Uh, the weather's awesome. I enjoy having some something different than just sunny uh, sunny skies every day. Uh, Which is open now, by the way. Mm. Yes, yeah. it is. Up in Anger. So Perfect. if you guys are looking for a little place on, on the weekends. Perfect. Since you do play games, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday after a series or something. Yeah. I'll be uh, there. Uh, so I'm curious. We'll talk about the bull culture, first of mm-hmm. all, because it took a lot of pictures this year with you guys sticking <laughs> the bulls on your head and, and doing all that fun kind of collaborative stuff. Where did that culture come from, and, and how does it play out on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I guess I'll take it. Um, So my freshman year, uh, Coach Wells was here. She was our um, D-Ops guy. And it started in a way as like where Wells would would call us, especially Minnick when he was here, his prize bull. and um, It was more of an actual, like literal bull. Um, 
And then when Shu got the catching job, he made it more as a um, the lead male uh, herd of member of the Campbell family is actually called the bull. Right. So we kind of just ran with that, and we used the bull emoji, but it's actually the male, um, the dominant male figure of a camel family is called the bull. So that's kind of how that started, and that's what a catcher is on the field to us. So there's a lot more to that than I would have thought in that <laughs> yeah, answer. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scundy, so since you guys, you know, last year you had like seven catchers, and then this year you have at least three to four who who play a lot. How do you guys keep the camaraderie up as a group? Uh, that's a really good question. I know last year uh, was kind of my first taste of not starting necessarily. I played two full seasons in junior college, and it definitely was a challenge at first. Uh, I noticed I was a little bit sour about put, not playing right off the bat, uh, and I feel like it kind of rubbed off on people, and I saw myself kind of lesser because of that. And then about halfway through the season, I realized, like, that's not who I want to be as a leader. Uh and that regardless of it, if it's me in the lineup, whoever gives us a chance to win that day uh, deserves to be there. So I think uh, it comes from that. Uh, I think Babin's in the same boat. Uh, Parquet's in the same boat. McPeak's just coming back off an injury. Like, whoever takes that day to win a game is really all that matters. And I think on and off the field, uh, we do a really good job of staying together, staying connected, and staying in touch with each other. So regardless of who's playing, who's not playing, who's doing well, who's not doing well, I think we have that love for each other, uh, that culture that we kind of instilled in. And I think it starts from the top down with Shu, who from day one kind of makes us realize that while we're competing for our position, we're brothers at the same time. So I think that's really cool that we do that. One of the neat, we'll talk a lot about catching and the art of it, but one of the neat drills I see you guys do is getting the pitching machine lined up and literally just going through the art of framing pitches and working corners and things like that. How valuable do you guys think that is of trying to manipulate the zone, if you will? Yeah, I mean, um, we go over um, blocking, receiving, transfers, all that. And uh, if you break down the numbers, she does this. He's really good with that that part of the, the game. Um, receiving's, you know, what we're going to do majority of the time. So to be able to win strikes and manipulate manipulate balls that are a little bit out of the zone and get them to be called a strike is huge for us. So if we, if we can win the marginal pitches, um, we can put our pitchers and our team in a better position. Do you ever get a laugh out of that when you get a strike call and you're kind of knowing it probably isn't, or maybe it is, you know, things like that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's the best. There's really sure. nothing better than hearing the other dugout start chirping the umpire about how that, how that's not a strike, and we we know it's not back there. But we I, I definitely would say – uh, so far, every team we've played so, uh, up until now, and I think as we go on in the year, we're probably the best catching core behind the plate. We might not swing it as well as some other teams or anything like that, but we definitely catch it and stick it and block it and throw it probably better than any other team out there, and I think that's something we all pride ourselves on. I checked at our research department, i.e. Shoemaker, mm -hmm. across the hall here, and he was telling me that 36% of your guys' strikes of any pitch was technically off the plate and was framed for a strike. I mean, that's... You know, over a third of the pitches, what does that say about what you guys are doing? Um, I think that says um, a lot about what he's trying to do with, with the catching core here, too. Um, it's not something that's really well-practiced throughout the country. Um, I mean, we go into the knee-down stuff, too, that we're doing. It's not something that a lot of other teams are doing, and uh, it's something that we're focusing on a lot, where it's not something that's standout-ish um, while you're watching the game, but when you break down the numbers, it's it's really important to how the game develops. Other than flexibility, when you talk about knee down, you're basically saying you're getting one leg almost in a complete split, right, just to explain to the radio podcast yeah. audience? Well, you're either catching with your right knee down or your left knee down. So you have one knee down at all times on the ground. What's more comfortable? How do you adapt to that new style? Uh, for last year we started with the right knee down or left knee down, and we all were kind of 
feeling good about that. And then this year, Shu kind of talked to us about how switching to the right knee down can benefit us with runners on and with the lefty angle with the umpire positioning behind uh, each side of your shoulder, uh, depending on the hitter. So I think it took a list. It took us a little bit of time to get used to going right knee down, but uh, right now I think all of us are comfortable doing whatever. I think uh, just the the practice we do here every day uh, helps us out a lot, and I think we're all pretty comfortable doing whatever it takes right now. Have other catchers talked to you guys about your craft? I mean, I kind of figure it, it's almost like pitching in a way where everyone does it differently and there's different approaches. I mean, do you guys chat with other catchers around the league when you're playing them? Uh, I haven't so far this year. Um, I'll dap up a catcher after the game, say good game or something like that. I've had that happen to me a couple of times where I feel like I've played pretty well and they've noticed it as well. I feel like there's a mutual respect knowing what we do on a day-in and day-out basis, uh, regardless of what school you play for. So uh, I think that's about it. But uh, I know between just our own team, we talk constantly during practice about what we can do to improve. And if I see Babin do something that I like, I definitely want to know what he's thinking about it. So. There's a there's a stereotype with with certain positions in, in baseball, and they say catchers very cerebral, understand the game, very mental. I know you guys are funnier personalities, but explain to me kind of the mental aspect of of catching and maybe what goes into working with the pitch calling and then communicating with your pitcher and just all the different things you have to think about when you're behind the plate. Um, I mean, we can even go back to the question you said before at the beginning, talking about how like it is when you were talking about playing time and all that, and how we're so close is because I think we all understand how it is an extremely tough position. I mean, we think maybe we're biased, but it's a tough position on the field, and there's so much that we have to account for and uh, consider in all aspects and be aware of. So, um, I mean, that's just kind of our mentality going into every aspect is how we have to be the best to, to give off the best view for everyone else and provide all that energy and um, just be – because we're the eyes and, and ears for the entire for the entire field. We see everything, so we have to be able to – be locked into everything, um, make sure we know where we're going, where everyone else is going at the same time, um, take control of our staff, uh, know when something's off. So we kind of have to be a quarterback of, of every aspect of the field and of the game. So we have to really make sure that we're locked in and ready to go no matter what the situation is. I know catchers are unbiased. They're sort of like coaches. They don't yeah. want to give out favorites. But is there a pitcher that each of you kind of mm. w- prefers to work with or just enjoys the relationship of maybe they have a good – good signal back and forth or or things of that nature if that makes sense no absolutely um i really do like our staff i think i got a our entire team is filled with good guys and i think our staff's uh, no different but uh i love cam cowan dude comes out and competes every single game uh and i've i've been fortunate enough to catch him most friday nights and uh it's fun like the dude dude's the real deal throws strikes um really really good guy to catch uh I'd say I, I really do enjoy catching Kevin Westlake. That was my roommate last year, so him and I have kind of had a bond over the year. Uh, golf and Buddy will mess around with each other. You guys are Keith Hill's players, aren't yes, you? Yes, yes. Huh. I wouldn't go that far. Because I know Tyson Messer and Barefoot were huge Keith Hill mm-hmm. players. Oh, yeah. And obviously everyone's a little different. Mm-hmm. Ty, who, who do you enjoy working with? Um, I would say every pitcher is unique and special in their own way on our staff. Wow, is that I not a coach's answer right there? I don't play favorites. They're all awesome. Um, <laughs> I would agree. You know, you want to you want to catch guys that are that are workhorses out there. Cam's a dog. Um, you know, he's going to go out there and give you his best effort every, every day. Um, guys like Landry Moore that don't throw mm-hmm. nearly as hard as guys like Cam, complete opposites, but go out there and 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 just compete and, and know that they're dudes and they're going to go out there and, and strike you out. And those guys that just have that mentality on the mound and have command for their stuff, which is always awesome to be able to catch when they know where it's going. Um, 
just those kind of mentalities are, are awesome to be around. Unfortunately, this play didn't go in our favor, but I want to go back to the main game because there was a crazy cross-up where it hits the catcher's mask, it ricochets to the pitcher's mound, then he tosses to the catcher. Give me a sense when things break down like that. How do you handle those situations, and what's the key of being on the same page and making sure you can make that quick decision and all of a sudden, you know, boom, boom, and a, and a tag play like that? Uh, I mean, I don't really know what happened there. It was, it was, it was definitely a cross-up, and, I mean, he got – hit pretty hard in the face he looked like a little disoriented so really the only situation the only option he had there was the ball rolled right back to the pitcher there's going to be a play at four so he kind of just stood there made the tag recovered well but I can tell that didn't feel too good he looked a little bit disappointed with his pitcher after that but that's why I think it's a good thing that we moved to uh card wrist cards for mm-hmm. pitch calling yeah what do you guys think about the wristbands and the wrist cards because obviously it, it does take a little bit of the pace out of the game when you're not going with finger signs and, and things of that nature or, you know, patting your arms and whatnot. But how does that dynamic work with the pitcher, with the coach? Do you have to – I don't want to reveal trade secrets, but, you know, you have to keep the signs different, but also you have to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny actually because at the beginning when we first did it in the fall, it was super slow. You know, like pace of play was just slow because, I mean, nobody was really used to it. I mean, we had cards last year, but we would get card the pitch uh, from the from coach – and then we'd relay it. So now we don't have to do any of that, and we just have to look over, and everyone knows the same sign. So the infielders are relaying it to the infielders. Outfielders have it. Uh, pitcher has it. So at first it was, you know, a little difficult because even the pitchers couldn't read the card, and we'd still get crossed up. But then this time we couldn't say it was our fault or anything. So, But I think we're at a point now where we're so used to it, and um, it, it really does make the pace of play quicker during the game, I think. No, I'm curious. And, and Scundy, I'm sorry I cut you off there. You were, you were talking, we were talking about different pitchers and working with different guys. Was there something you wanted to add? Oh, I mean, I was just going to segue off on a few guys who have definitely stepped up in my book. And he was talking about competing on the mound. And I think it's big time that we've had two freshmen this year who have been able to come out and kind of shove for us. Uh, both get midweek starts. Uh, both have been pretty big for us uh, in situations where we don't really have another option in those games. And Keegan Hauser and Fred Cisco have both been really impactful freshmen to us. And that's how you win. Like, we're a pretty old team. Uh, we got a lot of junior college transfers. We got a bunch of seniors. But at some point, you need that that younger core to step up. And kind of those guys have been those those guys have been the guys for us this year. So I think that's been really cool to them. And I just kind of want to give them some kudos to that because it's been impressive. As we're sharing props, I do want to mention here, just looking at the numbers today, you guys combined with yourselves and, and Parquet and a bunch of guys have caught ten would-be base stealers in the first three weeks now. And Obviously, a huge part of that is the pitcher, you know, holding the runner on and keeping that relationship. But when you guys can gun a runner out or make a big throw, what's going through your mind? What's that moment like? I mean, it's pretty fun. I would say uh, ever since I started catching in high school, that's probably been my favorite uh, aspect of the game. I'd take throwing a runner out over hitting a double any day of the week, regardless of if I could hit a double or not. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it's fun. It's, It's a moment where the game kind of, rewards us for the hard work i feel like we all put in uh day in and day out uh catching strikes blocking uh, that's the moment where everyone's like that's a good play uh, so it's cool uh, feel pretty pretty good about ourselves but uh it's fun it's fun it speeds up the game gets yeah. us out of big jams i know we've uh both thrown out some runners this year in situations that have kind of turned the inning around and just being able to do that as a core especially not just one guy can do this, one guy can do that. Like All of us c- combined can do everything really well right now. I think it's pretty good for our team. You guys mind if we talk some big league catchers and, and things that stand out to you about kind of the game? 
So I was doing some research coming in, and I saw that Roy Campanella, maybe one of the best catchers ever, he caught 57% of his base dealers in his career, and he played 15 seasons. I mean, just imagine, you guys are about 50%, 45% right now. What does it take to – pitchers have to help, but just to quantify how difficult it is to catch runners in the college game? Yeah, I think part of it is um, natural ability to have a great arm. Um, I like to go back to Minnick. Minnick had an awesome arm, um, one of those just, just natural arms. And for me, it's something I've had to work on over the last three years specifically. I never really had a great arm. Um, that was always kind of my biggest uh, downfall. I could get it there accurately on the base, but it's just a matter of how quick I get it there. And I think this year was something I really took to heart and, and worked on getting a lot better. Um, I mean, pushing by guys like this, he's got a really good arm as well. So does Parquet. So it's not easy. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it regarding footwork and stuff, but mm-hmm. just that ability to really just, you know, be able to fire it down and just, just get everything you got behind it and just let it eat pretty much and, and get it there on time. Let it eat. I like that. What does that mean? Just let it eat. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to <laughs> explain this, but you just just one of those. It's like a pitcher throwing 99 or 100. Like, they're just letting it eat. Like, just, just full-blown everything they got behind the throw, just letting it. But I don't, I'm going to say it again, just let it eat. Get I'm getting educated there. today. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, another stat I saw, which is crazy, so pop time is a huge number. From the second, the catcher gets it in his mitt to releasing the ball. 1.88 was the average for JT Realmudo, who led the league in the MLB. I think I want to say, okay, so his war just for catching was 4.7. Unbelievable. So yeah. wins above replacement. I mean, are there catchers that you guys look at at the big league level and kind of model your game or try to see what they do and, and pick their brain a little bit? Um. For me, growing up, I mean, when I was little, Jorge Posada was my dude. Always loved Jorge. Um, just not even at the stats because at that point I wasn't really big into that, just because of the mentality and, and the work ethic and the kind of duty he was. Um, and then as I got older, the same kind of thing with Yachty for me. I loved watching Yachty. Um, for me personally, I never really get into stats. Like I won't really look at their numbers, but I'll look at their form and trying to see where they're at in their mechanics and all that kind of stuff. Um, so Yachty was always a big guy for me, Buster Posey. But really, Jorge and Yachty were my, my favorite two guys watch, to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of segueing off of what he said, um, I, I really enjoy watching Buster Posey behind the plate. And dude, dude's going to be Hall of Fame, no doubt. Um, really good numbers, really good leader. And what I like to look at is the leadership part behind that. Uh, behind that, The guy can, commands the field, controls his pitching staff, and can uh, make sure that when things kind of get out of hand that he gets it back in, uh, in control. And I think that's something – I try to model my game after is being the guy behind the plate that keeps keeps the pace, keeps the steady in the ocean uh, of emotions of baseball. And I mean, it's kind of tough. Uh, you, we we have bad games all the time, uh, miss of strike, those little things that we notice that a lot of people don't notice. And I think all of us, Bab and I, uh, especially, are perfectionists in a way behind the plate where we want to be as best as we can all the time. So it's it's a constant battle with us uh, trying to be as good as we can behind the plate and making sure that uh, we're, we're just on top of our stuff. And I think uh, the way I watch Posey play, he does a lot of that stuff. I'm curious, too, because you guys have been described as some of the funnier or goofier personalities, and yet this position, it seems, requires a lot of mental focus and toughness and determination. When do you flip that switch, and, and what's it like just as yourself evaluating, going from that fun, carefree, but also you know, mentally locked in and ready to go? Um, I think everyone knows, you know, especially us, there's a time and place for everything. Um, yeah, we like to have a lot of fun, and we still do. And it, it's fun being back there, and it's fun throwing guys out, and it's fun winning strikes. Um, but if we're not locked in, you know, we don't have a, a, a place to have fun. Um, if we're not ready to do our job, we can't sit there and goof off, you know. 
because you got to be able to back up what you're doing and we can't be sitting there goofing around and then not being able to perform and, and get the job done for our teammates so I think for us like when we know we're in the lineup um, especially it's, it's a different men- mentality you have a different routine of how you you prepare to go in the game um, so you know depending on that lineup for that day if, if I'm in the lineup I'm going to go through a stretching routine and, and make sure I'm getting my mind right during BP or before I O or whatever that is and then if I'm not, I'm still going to be able to get my work done, and then I'm going to make sure I'm on top of the rail, um, locked in, ready to go, attacking the other team, make sure I'm trying to pick up grips, whatever I can to, to help our team win when I'm not in the game. I'm going to do the same thing. That brings up a great point. I want to talk about stretching as a catcher just because of the flexibility required for that position. Is there extra stuff that you guys do that we maybe don't see or what goes into getting your legs ready to receive nine innings? I think you should ask the fifth-year senior that's probably <laughs> a little older that needs some more time to get ready. Uh, definitely. Uh, my body's pretty old right now. Uh, I feel young when I'm on the field. The adrenaline gets going, and I, I don't have any issues. But uh, I definitely want to give some props to Rod. Rod keeps us right in the weight room. Rod keeps us right on the field. And I, I know where I'm at right now is definitely because of what he does with me on and off the field. Uh, dude just knows what what he's talking about. Um, I'll do some hamstring stuff, some hip stuff, just a bunch of uh, things for my lower half to get me going before the game. Uh and I mean, it just makes a world of difference. There'll be days where I wake up on game or on day three of a of a weekend series on that Sunday, and it's just like, man, like, all right, let's see what I can do. And I get to the field, and I hit some stuff with Rod for about 15, 20 minutes before the game, and I'm ready to go for that game. So it's pretty important. Uh, it's a physically demanding position for sure. I know all three of us, uh, and McPeak as well, now that he's coming back from his injury, mm-hmm. uh, have, have to – get some extra stuff done for our uh, own physical health on the plate. I'm curious from the weightlifting standpoint, because I would think, and this is just me not playing catcher, I was an outfielder growing up, but maybe like front squatting or, or deadlifting would help getting deep in a squat and getting stances like that. Are there workouts you've noticed that have maybe enhanced your ability to get deeper into a stance or, like you said, get your knee out and extend your leg and maybe just steal some strikes, if you will? Um, I like front squats. Kind of uh, on the other opposite end of the spectrum of that one, but I like being able to do front squat and get low into it. But um, – the biggest thing I notice is it's it's tougher to do those things and, and try to – I mean, we're pushing weight regardless, um, and we're attacking everything we do in the weight room. But once season comes around, you can notice that you can still push that weight, but it's not to the same, like, strength ability that you used to have. So it's a little tougher to get it up, um, which is why we attack different movements and we do a bunch of different weights. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll pull back some weeks before we start pushing again and pressing and going heavier, um, which is important, of course, because I think Rod also does a fantastic job managing that and making sure we're in the best position possible we'll be ready to go every day um but yeah i mean we're we're always squatting regardless so right. some some days after after catching a lot of pens and then going to the weight room and having to push some weight it, it's a little bit more difficult than it usually is but i mean we still get it done let's talk some fun moments because both of you guys have had some great big south tournament moments over the years and ty we'll start with you because you were first on this ring <laughs> you were the dh that year two years ago and you had a sacrifice bunt where you beat it out, got an infield single, and I think delivered a tying run in the Liberty yeah. game, or maybe a go-ahead run, something like that. But your role was very different as a yeah. freshman. When you get a moment like that where you can literally play some small ball and, and move a runner in, what does it take to get ready for that situation, and what was the reward of, of delivering that moment? Um, for me, going into situations where um, it's kind of crunch time is always more different, a lot different than, than, say, if I was leading off an inning. I don't know why for me. If I'm up in a, in a situation where I need to get a job done for my teammates, I don't think at all. I'm ready to go. Like, whatever I need to do, I'll get it done. But if I have more time to think, I got nobody on, I'm leading off an inning, trying to get something started, is when I really get in my head, believe it or not, which is still something I don't know. But 
Um, before that at bat, um, I don't know who was on first. I think it might have been Anshaw. Coach called time before the at bat started and was like, hey, like, do you want a safety here or do you want to hit and run? And I was like, man, I don't know. At the beginning of the game, I barreled one up right up the middle, hitting to a double play. That should have been two RBIs, but they had me shifted up the middle. And I was, I was kind of scared to hit away because I didn't want to hit into a double play in a situation where we needed to move a guy over. And I, I always felt pretty confident in my bunk game. Um, so I, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll safety here. I'll get it done. <clears throat> First pitch comes. Fastball right down the middle. I'm shaking like crazy. <laughs> like completely miss it. Wasn't even close. Um, fouled it off. Coach is like, come here. Call time. Like, all right, like relax like he said what do you want to do here now and I said give me a safety again I'll get it done like I'm sorry like that that was pretty bad but I don't nobody remembers that part but I do um I said don't worry like I'll get it done right here and got another pitch I think they knew I was going to bunt at that point still and I, I just got a really good placement on it because I, I think I handled it pretty well and was able to get out of line get a get a good 90 down the line and and beat it out because it was kind of a Bermuda triangle of placement where nobody knew what to do with it so no that doubt. Cool. Scundy, I want to bring up two moments with you. We'll start with kind of the off the field, but a fun one in last year's tournament. Uh, you're sitting in the outfield, and Matt Barefoot barrels up a first pitch home run. Uh, you in, kind of proceeded to climb on the wall and celebrate and really have a fun time. What's that emotion like going through your mind? And, and I know your role then was to get some pitchers loose, but what was that bullpen feeling for you guys getting out there? Oh, I mean, it, I, I tell this story to a lot of people um, just because I think it's – it's very true of this program that uh, my role last year was to be the bullpen guy, and I figured that out about halfway through the season, and it was what it was, uh, kind of like I said earlier in the interview or podcast, sorry. Uh, You're not wrong either way. <laughs> Those are both correct. Uh, the camaraderie uh, at the end of the year was just crazy. Uh, everyone was pulling for each other. Everyone wanted the next guy up. Everyone was just uh, – everyone knew we were going to do something special last year. So uh, – we were on game three of the tournament. Uh, I think so. I don't know. They were. I, I yeah, think, that final against yeah, Winthrop. Yeah. yeah, I think they were game five or something. They were pretty. They were spread pretty yep. thin uh, pitching wise. I could tell. Uh, we were down early and never once kind of felt like we were out of the game. But they we got they went to their dude out of the pen, and I remember I was kind of back there chirping him already in the bullpen. We were facing each other, so <laughs> I got a good angle to see this guy uh, warming up, and he didn't look great. He didn't look like he had his stuff right off the bat. And I was like, man. I was talking to uh, Bryce Cota at that point uh, before when he went out to the mound to get uh, deliver his warm-ups, and it's like, dude, I think something might happen right here. Like, foot's up. Like, this is big time for us right now. Like, he's going to hit something pretty well. And first pitch, the guy kind of tries to get a fastball by him, and foot didn't miss it. And, I mean, I got on the fence so quick. Uh, it, was, it was probably arguably one of the, my top moments in baseball, and I had nothing to do with it. And I think the video shows that, like, yeah. There's this dude in the bullpen just, like, going nuts uh, for his teammate. But, I mean, that's just, like, that's Campbell baseball right there in my mind. Is So uh, you made foul pole sports twice in a week yes. for your sprint out to the pen in, in the, I think, the previous game. Yes. And then, of course, that moment. What's your phone going like? What's, the, what's oh. that moment for you? <laughs> I had some uh, – I had a lot of, bu- a lot of baseball buddies uh, talk to me. It made, it made foul pole sports. Uh, uh, so a lot of people follow that. A lot of people mention me uh, in the comments on that. Uh, I, it's kind of a shame. I mean, the moment there was definitely Matthew Barefoot. Matthew Barefoot hit the go-ahead home run in the eighth. Right. Eighth. Uh, so it, it took a little bit off of him, which I'm not super proud of. But everyone thought He's drafted by the Astros right, now. Right. I, think, I think he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he uh, is too worried about that. But uh, it, was, it, was inter- it was cool. I mean, 
for that to kind of be my highlight last year is me being a good teammate and cheering on my team I think is pretty pretty accurate for where I feel like I was last year and I think uh it was pretty funny I think looking back on it that and me sprinting to the bullpen as hard as I could uh and then heavily breathing for uh the next 20 30 minutes I'm after glad the that. cameras didn't catch no that. no no <laughs> Uh, you mind breaking down the ECU game, too, because we had a first base camera right there, and literally you hit the ball for a double, you turn, and, and it's almost like you're pointing to the dugout. Is that just how tight this group is? Literally you're celebrating every hit, or what, what happened in that, that bat? Uh, on my double. Uh, on my double. I don't, I don't know if I what my intention was there. I was probably probably trying to show up the pitcher or something. I, don't, I no, didn't mean to. That. Uh, I know I know. against South Alabama, I was a little bit frustrated in the first two games. They had me shifted pretty well, uh, pretty accurate for someone who had 15 ABs last year, uh, for them to just, like, suddenly know that I just put the ball up the middle and pull it, but uh, whatever. And uh, I got a little bit irritated with the shift, and then in game three of that South Al series, I had three kind of bleeders that I just pushed through the right side of the field, and it squid by with two strikes, and I felt pretty good about myself with the two-strike hit, and I know – Definitely in the the uh, ECU game with uh, two strikes, I had a pretty good knock up the left center field, uh, and I turned to the dugout just like that's my thing right there. Like I'm a pretty good two strike hitter, so because it kind of felt Little League World Series esque. You know, if you bring back to your kid days, the kid hits a home run and immediately points to his dugout. That type of feel, which in college baseball you don't always see, how does that translate or how does that come alive for for your group? Not only just this season, but just in general. Um, I think everyone has their own unique uh, double celebration, too, or, or celebrations when they get hits. Um, I mean, it's it's just awesome to see other guys do well, um, even if you're not in, because knowing that what we went through together throughout the fall, throughout early this season, um, just to see your, your teammates go out there and, and compete and be able to get a job done for each other um, rather than doing it for themselves is awesome. So it's definitely super cool to see everyone's unique uh, own characters coming out to play and, and their own celebrations and, and what they bring to the table is super cool. Let's end this podcast on a, on a neat question. You talk about celebrations. If you're gunning out a runner, what do you like to do and how do you either, whether you fist pump or whatever it is, right, but how do you celebrate that runner getting caught stealing? Mm. I think it depends on the moment. It depends if he's annoyed me or, or <laughs> aggravated me throughout the game, if the other team's been trying to steal all day or depending on what kind of day I'm having. But if it's a big-time situation or whatever, like ending an inning, uh, it's it's definitely cooler to go towards my our dugout and, and celebrate with our own team. Yeah, what are you doing? Up. I don't, I don't know. Me and Scundy usually will will come out after the inning and, and jump up. Huh. We'll, we'll get in each other with the Bulls, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is is the Bull Club like the Fight Club where you have to be a member I don't know of what it? You're talking too? about? I've never heard about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Scundy, how do you celebrate a runner caught stealing? Uh, I like to yell a little bit. Uh, just question them for what they were thinking for running there. Like, what are you even doing? But uh, that's usually in between innings. Uh, Fist bump, big fist bump guy. Uh, I think I have a couple gifts of me at the beginning of the <laughs> year fist bumping pretty aggressively, and I think that's just kind of been my thing. I know uh, in junior college I did the same thing. I was pretty aggressive with my fist bumps, and uh, I retweeted a video a little bit a uh, little bit uh, ago with the gif of me fist bumping. Or uh, no, I threw someone out against mm. uh, ECU, uh, and I fist bumped, and you can see it uh, on the video. And one, a couple of my junior college buddies were like, oh, the Scundy fist bump is back. So <laughs> I guess that's just kind of been my thing since uh, I've caught. So, Well, we appreciate it, catchers. Right. Go ahead, Ty. One more thing I want to finish up. We were talking about this. I meant to bring it up at the beginning. Yeah, go ahead. Me and Scundy roomed together on the on the road trips and stuff too, and we lived together. And last year 
I don't know whose idea it was. If it was yours, I think it was Scundy's. We tried to get a podcast together for me, Scundy, and Minnick all year. We tried to get a podcast together for just us in the, in the hotel rooms, you know, hanging out after the games. We tried to get a podcast every weekend, and Zach Minnick never came through on that podcast. It was Zach Minnick. It was, we, we were down. We were ready to go podcast, just on our own, not through Campbell, whatever. Right, like, right. We were going to start our own podcast together. And it was so hard to get Zach Minnick on board for that podcast, and I just want him to know how that upset he is. If that he tunes into this, this podcast I hope, right I hope, now. I hope he, I hope he remembers bit. that. And well, that, now we have a podcast. I had about a 10-minute chat with him at Ohio State mm. a couple of years ago, and that was the longest I'd ever chat with him before. <laughs> we talked about, like, West Virginia high schools, and I did all this Google searching and tried to find the right question to get him to talk. And, yeah, he would go on for about 10 minutes, but I don't know if he could do, a, like, a 30-minute one like oh, he did no. today. Yeah, on his own terms. Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate you jumping on the uh, Dudes yes, Being sir. Dudes podcast.